as marketers, it's easy to talk about yourself. It's easy to toot your own horn, but we are becoming very cynical. And I think we are really wanting to hear from our peers and our colleagues about their experience and their recommendations. Real human stories are what we all gravitate towards and and customer stories are no different. Welcome to another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling. My guest today is Emily Amos. She is the founder at Uplift Content. Uplift Content is a boutique B2B SaaS content creation studio that has a track record of success with high growth companies like Okta, Lean Data, and Onto4, and many others. In particular, one of their specialties is using the voice of the customer close bigger deals faster with done-for-you case studies. And in addition, um, they also support a ton of B2B companies with eBooks, white papers, and you know a really robust selection of other types of content as well. Emily, excited to have you on today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. And so, so let's just dive right in. I mean, let's talk about why customer stories matter today. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, and, and I obviously have some, you know, this is something I'm passionate about as well, but, I, you know, to kick things off, why do customer stories, you know, matter today, in your opinion, you know, maybe more than ever before? I think that customer stories have always been important, but I think now because we're all hiding behind computer screens, it's that much more important to put a face and a job title and a company name in front of of um, prospective customers so that they know that um, this social proof is coming from a real person. You know, as marketers, it's easy to talk about yourself. It's easy to toot your own horn, but we are becoming very cynical. And I think we are really wanting to hear from our peers and our colleagues um, about their experience and their recommendations. And customer stories really are all of that. They're taking technical information and bringing in that human element that we all, we all want. We, real human stories are what we all gravitate towards and, and customer stories are no different. So, so true. And um, then also like, I think combining the fact that, you know, buyers and prospects are doing so much of their own research, you know, on their own these days, right? It's like, I, I forget the stat, but it's something like 80% of, you know, the, the research, like buyers want to self-serve, right? And I think in the old days, we sort of saw like people didn't need maybe as much customer story content for social proof because the sales process was different. And, you know, people had more time, they could, you know, they weren't as distracted, maybe they didn't have any have as many competing attention, um, you know, things. And because of that, they, you know, I think a lot of companies could sort of rely on just one to one conversations and being like persuasive, right. And, you know, a good salesperson can do a lot with that, right. But like, now, like, it, it's, and it's not slowing down. It, it's, it's uh, people, people are gonna self serve, and they're gonna progress, you know, so much further in the buying cycle, you know, and, and, and 
yeah, I think it's just it's a big shift uh, in the way people buy and the way they they want to consume. And it's huge. I mean, when was the last time you answered your phone, Sam, for a number that you didn't recognize? Never. <laughs> and when was the last time you called a contact us number? You know, so you're interested in a product and you went to the contact us page and actually called the number. I can't even think of a time that I've done that, honestly. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's, it's like for me, and I think a lot of people feel this way, it's like they're just not even going to engage, you know, with a brand unless they, there's enough of that social proof there to like prove it's like worth their time, right? We want to do it on our own terms. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to dictate the selling process. I want to dictate it. And therefore, I need to be driving the bus. Hmm. So this is what I want to do. I want to go on the website. I want to see social proof, whether it's reviews or case studies or other forms of customer stories. I need that reassurance from others that this is legit and it's helpful and it's going to potentially solve my problem. Yeah, 100%. So I think that that's a great point to make is that like the buyer journey is changing. People are, are doing more self-serving. So therefore, you know, as B2B marketers, if we want to stay ahead of the game, you know, we need, we need more customer content. We need more robust customer content. Let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the different mediums within option, the different, you know, formats and, and mediums for customer stories, right? So, you know, I think the big three being, you know, written case studies, you know, third party, you know, reviews on, you know, various review sites, G2, Trustradius, et cetera. And then, you know, customer videos and, you know, video content, video testimonials being being the third of the big three. Yeah. How do you sort of see, and you've, you've worked with a lot of companies, you've now produced a lot of, especially written case studies. I'm curious, how do you sort of see the interplay between all these kind of different mediums and, and, uh, and how, yeah, how do you think about that? You know, I found it interesting that you brought up third party reviews as one of the top three, because honestly, I don't really think about those. That being said, I do realize they are very important. They just don't come into my world in a big way. Um, video, customer stories for sure, written stories for sure. And I guess I would further break down the written into sales slides, for example. So taking a case study story, with that story, you can do a long form story written, you can do a video, you can do various lengths of video, just as you can do various lengths of written stories. And then of course, there's sales slides, there's social, so creating little um, posts to promote full case studies or even just little snippets that might just be a testimonial, for example, or some other um, result that um, you can highlight. So there are so many different, I think what I love most about customer stories is that they're so adaptable and so flexible and you can really be creative with them. That's, yeah, it's such a good point. And the other word that comes to mind is like extensible, right? The more, I think we're, we're all under more of a requirement to just to just do more with the content we have, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, any tips for, you hit on a couple of really good ones there, like I think breaking your case studies, using, you know, creating, you know, those sales slides, 
maybe their social post, any other tips you have for people out there who who want to, for marketers out there who want to produce more of that customer-driven uh, micro content? I've seen a couple customers, uh, not my customers, but sorry, other companies, I should say, they're doing some cool infographics with case studies. And that's something I'd like to dive into a bit more with my customers. And that is, you know, taking taking the big story and distilling it into something more visual and being able to really pull out those key points. And let me tell you, it's much easier to tell a long story than a short story. I'm sure you know that from video too. It's hard to be able to select those maybe two or three key points to tell a story in three sentences. Um, it's way easier to tell it in 2000 words, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but I, I really love that idea of knowing that we all learn and absorb information in different ways. It's really important for us as marketers to provide our messaging in different ways as well. What if you, I'm curious, Sam, for you, what, what you're finding, um, what you're seeing out there that's interesting for you that you would want to explore a bit more. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, we all learn in different ways. And I think in different, at different times, we, we consume in, in different ways. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, there's so many benefits to video. If you have the time to sit down and, and watch it and listen to it. Right. And, but yep. sometimes, you know, you just, that sort of like, that's just the image with a great pull quote or like a, a case study is more skimmable um, than a video, right? So yeah, I think that the, the, and now, you know, we're all on our phone often and we're remote environment is a little chaotic. And so, yeah, I think it's more important than ever to give people the options um, to your point to, you know, consume, you know, customer stories in the, the format uh, that works best for them. And so what I think what I've seen, it's definitely more, even more of a focus on on micro content like we've been talking about um yeah. and also not just um you know one size fits all micro content but also taking a more sort of nuanced approach and sort of you know mapping out the whole kind of buyer journey and then saying okay here's the customer here are the you know the common questions fears or doubts that we get at this stage, what should the corresponding customer content be for that stage? And then moving on to uh, the next stage in the buyer journey, a little bit further down the funnel, like basically doing the same thing. So that to me, I think is is a big, um, it's basically just taking, you know, marketing and sales enablement best practices, but actually applying them through the lens of customer stories, which I think is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Uh, because early on, you know, if, if you hit someone, if you share, you know, people aren't, you know, if people don't kind of know that they have the problem, like th- they're just not going to, you know, have the attention to sit through that, you know, in-depth uh, video or in-depth written case study, right? You, you sort of have to figure yeah, out. it's just not relevant at that point, right? Exactly. And so it's like, but there still c- could be a soundbite or a quote that will be relevant. So I think that that's what it's all about is kind of like mapping the buyer journey and then making use of the everything you have, you know, as it pertains to that that customer story, making the most out of it. 
I love that. And I have never really thought about it in that way. Um, and I'm curious, do you, when you're filming um, a video case study, are, are you thinking about those stages and are you crafting questions specifically for those different stages? So yes, if our clients are also bought into you know taking that more nuanced approach, I think yeah. for a lot of people, they might not be there yet. They just need to kind of check um, check the box on like their first video testimonial in yeah. industry X, right? They, they yeah, for sure. so I think with our more kind of clients that we've been working with longer. Absolutely. With with some of our newer newer clients, they they're okay to just like you know be like that sounds cool. We're not there yet in terms of the maturity of our you know customer yeah. story program. But so yeah, it does. It depends a little bit. I would love to ask you, Sam, what you feel is the interplay between the written story and the video story, and how how they should be working together, and how they should be displayed and dished up to audiences. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I think the first thing uh, that comes to mind is that it's possible to do both in like one swoop. So I think that is like, you know, from a purely practical perspective, you know, anyone who's thinking about creating a written case study should also be thinking about a video version as and vice versa. Like anyone thinking about a video testimonial should also be thinking about, you know, the written case study. So so that is so that would be the first thing as far as like is the interplay. I think a, a lot of it kind of comes down to kind of design and like implementation. And, and I, I do see like more kind of tools coming out uh, to like, I think Path Factor is, is one of them, but like that are creating a more interactive experience and uh, for, you know, content. And I think like that is you know, for sure, you know, a lot of companies are just doing that on their website. But I think that like the people, the more kind of interactive you can make it, like, I think that's going to be a win. And it's just going to be more engaging. Also, I think another key thing um, is, you know, making get, having it in, in, in multiple situations. So you, you have like having the and this kind of ties back to what we talked about with uh, the buyer journey is like, so you, you have the, you know, the base case, which is like the main video and the full written case study. And then maybe you have on your customer's page, you have the video and then like a paragraph of the case study. And then they can, if they want to, you know, view the, the full, the full length case study, then they can click into that. And so for me, it's all about like the, the main principle is just letting people self-consume in the way that they want to and having a good user experience where they can go deeper into any area if they want, but balancing that with like not throwing too much information, too much text at them at once, but at the same time, inviting them to you know, always go deeper into the story. Yeah, that, that that's really how I think how I think about it. So, are you saying that you see the written story as the more detailed version, and the the video is the higher level, really human, personal touch to the story? So, yes. However, I think 
in a perfect world, um, even you know our, our customers, for example, they're not just a lot of them are, are not creating just one video. So they have like the they're creating uh, also deep dives. So like there might be the one you know ninety second overview video, but then there's maybe three you know sixty second videos that are extremely detailed. Those would be you know more topical, and people aren't going to watch them first probably, but they they might want to progress into that. So I think it, traditionally, yes, I think there's because also with text, one of the great things about text is you can you can kind of skim it, scroll through it, go up and down, you know, do that. With video, you you can't quite do that the same way. So yeah. therefore, I'm uh, especially big on video around like having it be more snackable. Uh, having if if you're gonna you know it's better to have you know five different videos of sixty to ninety seconds than it is to have one five to seven minute video. That's cool. And so, how do you tie the four videos together? How do you how do you help the viewer or user understand what they're going to get in each and which one they should choose? So, great question. Um, it comes down ultimately to aligning on you know the priorities of their you know their business and their marketing initiatives so you know and also what often what is the most priority for their sales team so just for example maybe it's um you know the priority is actually first of all and then that actually often starts with like a, doing a gap analysis of like what's missing so maybe you know we determine that you know they want to move into a certain industry move up market into industry x but they don't have really there's a gap around like the customer stories that they that they have to support that priority and they need they need more and then the, the question is okay so then we've kind of identified well the persona that we want to capture and and then it's the question is well what are the qfds the questions fears and doubts that the buyers and the prospects will have uh, that the sales team is going to have to overcome. So with that in mind, then we kind of can work backwards and say like, let's make, you know, the main video to kind of, you know, tell the overall story, general purpose, you know, 60 to 90 to 120 seconds. And then let's make a 60 second objection crusher video or maybe three 60 second objection crusher videos, which, and we, we use that term Basically, like an objection crusher for us is like any sort of video, typically around like 60 seconds that like specifically addresses or relates to like a really common question, fear or doubt. So at the end of the day, it's really all about, you know, reverse engineering, knowing knowing the problem that we want to solve for and then, you know, reverse engineering it um, to kind of fill those gaps. I love that. And so where do those... What did you call them? Objective objection, objection crushers. crushers? Yeah. Where where do those live? So often there those are just used, you know, by individual sales reps in in email. Oh, okay. However, also could be like an FAQ page. So like a lot of people have an FAQ page. Every one of your you know FAQs, or not every one of them, but many of them, could be supported by a customer answering that FAQ, right? Yeah, I love that. Love that. That's very cool. Um, so the so those are not attached 
in any way to the customer story. They are separate pieces. Correct. Correct. And and I mean, they could be, you know, in a sense, like if you built out a page and it had all five videos on it and the case study, and it was like a really cool deep dive into this, um, you know, that specific customer. So, so they certainly could be on the same page, but definitely uh, a different video. And yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So I know you have maybe asked, you've asked a lot of interview questions, right? What have you learned? Um, any tips that you could share for, you know, marketers who are listening to this um, and, you know, maybe they have to write some interview questions. Maybe they have to conduct an interview. You know, maybe they're looking for, for you know, a partner to do it for them. But either way, they're, they don't really know the keys. Is it, yeah, what kind of tips could you share around just that, that important process of interviewing your customers? Because as I, similar to us, I mean, it's kind of this situation where like, you know, good questions get good answers. And like the reverse is also true. You know, it's like, if you don't ask good questions, you're also, you're not going to, you know, get, get as good content. So there's questions. It's all about the questions um, that you ask. For sure. 100%. So I would say, first of all, do your homework. Make sure that you have some sort of creative brief or writer's brief or whatever you want to call it from the customer. I know we all have our different uh, documentation, but essentially what we want to know before we write the questions are, do you, you being our customer, do you have a specific angle in mind that you want us to focus on? Is there a specific product or service that maybe that it, maybe it's a new product or service that you've just launched and you don't currently have any case studies on that new service or product. So do you want us to focus in on, on that, for example? Um, is it a new industry? Is it a new use case? Is it a new size of company? Um, so any detail around that is really helpful to know so that we can put more or less emphasis on certain things in order to pull out angles uh, for the story. And then when we go to create the questions themselves, they really need to be focused around the ultimate outcome of the story. So we, you know, there's a fairly standard, what's the word? I'm missing the word <laughs> structure. There's a fairly standard structure for case studies. And that is there's some sort of background or intro. Then you go into the problem or challenge. Then there's the solution where you get to talk about the products or services that our customer um, provides to solve the problem. And then there's a results section where you get to use concrete numbers and, and really give some hard evidence for how this, how this really impacted um, the customer. And there's, there's another section, which is a section that I like to include, and that's the forward looking or the future section where you have the opportunity to talk about whether the customer whether the customer plans on expanding their use of this software for example um, whether a new team within the organization is going to implement it whether um, more employees will start using it things like that where um, it's that added social proof of yeah we like it 
today and we like it for this particular use case, but we like it so much that we're going to even, we're going to expand our use of it in some way. And that's a really nice piece to be able to add at the end. So to circle back to the questions, you need to make sure that those questions relate to each of those sections. I mean, I think we all have our standard list and it's a list that you probably develop over the years. I don't know what you would say, Sam. I mean, I think that you tweak them as you go. You hear, maybe hear a question from somebody else and you're like, ooh, that's a really good one. You add it to your list. Uh, but ultimately you don't want a thousand questions. You need to make sure you probably only have, I don't know, 15 or so. Um, so you do need to be quite specific and clear on what you're trying to elicit. And I think the other piece there is this is a conversation. So you can ask the question and if you're not getting the kind of information you want, that's that's then your job to hop in and guide guide them towards giving you the answer that you need. The other piece I would add there is just to be friendly and make them feel at ease and comfortable so that they're willing to share. And I think part of that is also knowing that they get to review it before it gets published. So they don't have to worry if they said something that wasn't quite the way that they would like it in print, they do have the opportunity to to fix it or tweak it um, before it gets published. Mm, yeah, it's it's true. It's not not only about the right questions, but it's about the the overall vibe and that's gonna affect the answers too. So that is just making them feel comfortable and you know everything that goes into that is is such a such a good point as well. And I would say for video, it's even more important that comfortableness. I mean, before before we started recording, I told you I was nervous. And <laughs> I think video brings out the, the nerves, right? Mm. In much more so than a phone interview. It's true. Although I, I think thanks, well, due to the pandemic, one, we've all, I think, had to spend more time on on Zoom and on you know video calls. So I, I think people are becoming Slightly like more comfortable, right? Than like maybe like two years ago, but for sure, without a doubt, it's definitely there's a need to you know spend the extra time and and make um, you know that sure the customer is comfortable. And I think I lo love the point that you brought up around like asking the customer about the angle or like making sure that like because that is uh, it's such a simple thing, but like involving the customer and say and saying like hey like this is what I had in mind, but like what do you have in mind, right? And just giving them an opportunity to co-create and collaborate and, and, you know, have their voice in the creation process can makes them feel way more bought in, but also can really like take you to new areas of content that you, that are amazing that you never would have thought of too. Yeah, for sure. And I think this ties in directly with the overarching case study strategy. And sometimes as writers, we're not involved in that strategy, though we would always love to be. Um, but by asking about the angle that helps us have that discussion around strategy and, and which stories we should be telling. And so if we don't already know which stories we're aiming to tell, this allows us to ask why are we telling this particular story? Why have you chosen this customer to to highlight? For sure. And um, one thing that you know I always like to hit on on this podcast is like future trends and like where do we see you know things going? I know we we've talked a little bit 
about that, but specifically for 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 you in in kind of your business and in, in uh, written case studies, what trends are, ha- have you seen over the past you know couple years? Um, I'd love and like where do you see things going? I'd love to hear you know more about that as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And when I think about all of the case studies, I mean, I keep my eye open. I'm sure you do too at what people are producing in in our industry. Um, honestly, I can't see any particular trends. I feel like it's still very varied in that there's long ones, there's short ones. People are still doing PDFs sometimes. They're doing, you know, little micros. They're maybe just choosing to do video or they're just choosing to do written. Um, I don't have a good answer for you on the, on the future trends. I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, I think well, specifically for for written, one trend I think is maybe more original photography and yes. or higher quality visuals. Like for example, we had you know we, we've had some you know instances where we actually you know obviously our main business is, is video creation, but you know we have also done photo shoots in both. Uh, to to support you know a written case study and also you know we've had at least one instance where we di- just did a photo shoot and we didn't even do a video shoot is just the photo shoot original photos for the written case study that the the client was producing internally and so like just the the prominence and the requirement for more and higher quality visuals yeah. within the written medium as well and like original photography like just setting the bar higher I think is. That is, that's definitely one thing I think is going to continue. Yeah. And I, and along with that, I'm glad you brought that up. Along with that is better designed mm. templates. You know, we've all seen the big wall of text. And part of our job as writers is to make sure it's not just a wall of text by adding headers and subheaders and bulleted lists and various chunks and components but ultimately, without a great design, it's still going to fall flat. Um, so it's so important to get design right and and be constantly looking at it. How can we improve this design to make the numbers pop, make it more interesting and engaging to go through? I mean, none of us have time. We, If we see a big wall of text, <laughs> Nobody wants to read that. We need to make it interesting and fun and engaging. So we need color. We need design. We need photos. Uh, we need all of that to work in tandem with the text. Incredibly, incredibly powerful point. And I think even five years ago, like design, web design, you know, especially like wasn't quite as important for B2B as it as it is now right it, it's uh it's it's no longer like a nice to have it's absolutely like a need to have and because yeah like you said it's like there's so many things so much you know so many competing things for our attention and like to hold our attention it's like the bar has just been set higher from a design perspective in every in every situation and it speaks to credibility too mm-hmm. if you're thinking about doing business with a company First impressions matter. And if 
if it doesn't look good, what does that say about your product? What does that say about your customer service? What does that say about ultimately how much you care? Um, so it, it really is important. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. First impressions matter. And that is, that's actually something that pertaining to video quality and like the quality of video testimonials. That's yeah. something that I get asked a lot um, is like, well, like, why does it, why do my video testimonials need to be high quality? I thought like everyone was super happy. I thought authenticity was like the rage and like I can just, you know, record my Zoom meeting. And honestly, like, there's nothing like inherently wrong with that, but first impressions do matter. So if you want to use the video in a first impressions situation, like on your homepage, it's like, do you really want to put something that's like cheap and cheerful on your homepage? alongside the rest of, you know, what you have there? Maybe not, you, you know, so it's like, I think there's definitely like a time for cheap and cheerful, but it's not often, you know, to set the right first impression, like you do need, uh, you know, a level of polish. And also, I think this is something that I'm, I could go on about for, you know, at length, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's that uh, high, high quality and authenticity do not have to be mutually exclusive, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, and this goes for writing, design, and video, I think a lot of people think, oh, like, if I go the high quality route, like, I'm, that's not as authentic. And like, well, that's not actually the case it, it, because like, what else? There's other things that influence authenticity. In video, it, it's things such as like, well, are you asking questions in a way that get people to you know, actually give genuine answers. And like, are you asking questions at all? First of all, because some people would script their videos and that like, no way, like that's not going to be authentic at all. So, so yeah, I think that is, that is something that I'm very passionate about is this idea that like, if we're being honest, like authenticity and quality do not have to be like mutually exclusive concepts. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We need to be showing our best What's the expression? Put your best foot forward. I don't know. I like mm -hmm. it has to be the very best. There's so many other options. We're we're all just analyzing our options and saying, oh no, not that one, not that one. Why? Oh, well, they had a typo on their homepage. I'm not doing business with them. I mean, literally, we're looking for excuses to disqualify mm -hmm. options. It's it's so true. It's like, I mean, that's kind of like we're all, you know, the way that our brains work as buyers is yeah, we're looking for that like shortcut, right? And like a shortcut is often like making a snap snap judgment around like, do is this, you know, credible? Does this have the social proof? Um, so I think that that's a great point. And that takes us right back to where we started, I think, uh, which is like why customer stories matter more than ever. Um, Emily, this has been fantastic for our listeners. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and uh, your an uplift if they want to connect or uh, learn more. I would love for you to reach out through LinkedIn. My name is Emily Amos. Amos is A-M-O-S. Um, also, you can find us at Uplift Content on LinkedIn. And then our website is upliftcontent.com. Fantastic. I definitely recommend everyone uh, connect with Emily. She shares a lot of great tips around customer stories and case studies. Uh, and thanks again, Emily. This was an absolute pleasure. It was great to be here. Thank you, Sam.
Alrighty, folks, that was another episode of the State of Customer Storytelling. Awesome episode with Emily Amos. A couple of the things I really want to underscore there, breaking up your customer stories into all this different micro content, right? If you have a case study, are you using it for your sales slides? Are you using it for social posts, infographics? How can, you know, just challenging yourself to do more with what you have and the fact that we all learn in different ways. So, you know, you're going to want, you know, different formats for your customer stories. We talked a, a lot about the buyer journey and the, the nuances of, of customer storytelling throughout the buyer journey. And uh, Emily flipped it over to me uh, for a little bit. And, uh, you know, hopefully that was some, some good, you know, insight uh, as well for folks. Um, and then we talked about interview tips and trends. And then the and first impressions matter and, and the need to, to get that first impression right. And that quality and authenticity aren't mutually exclusive. All right. Well, if you have any other guests that you'd like to have on the show, just shoot me an email. Uh, it's sam at testimonialhero.com. We'd love to hear from you. We always love suggestions on the show. And until then, we'll see you in the next episode. This has been... As always, the state of customer storytelling.